0: marvelous we about once a year on average take a week or two or sometimes even three to come back to a topic readdress a topic that we think is just foundational uh, to our life together as a body and it's about praise and it's about celebration Uh, we come back and review this topic with some frequency because we're aware of that when new folks come to Woodland Hills Church or start tuning in through podcasts, watching through television or other means, uh, we all bring our own assumptions to the table about what worship is, what celebration and what praise is. And to a lot of people in this culture, what happens when we get together and sing and worship God uh, gets filed kind of under the, the category of spectator sport or under the category of concert because usually when you come into a big room with a bunch of other people and you're, 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 you're listening to a good band, it's a concert. So you just enjoy the music. But it's not a participatory thing. Uh, or others see it kind of as a, just a Christian sing-along. This is one of these, these weird Christians just like to sort of sing together. You know, and, you know, we're marching to Pretoria or something you know, kind of thing. And so it gets filed as sort of a sing-along. That is not even close to what praise and celebration is. And so we want to, and see, this is so important. There is a a unique dimension of anointing that happens when the people of God come together and understand what they're doing when we lift God up and proclaim his goodness and things of that sort. It's so profoundly helpful and beautiful when it's done right, and it's such a profound waste of time when it's not. And so we come back to this topic with some frequency, praise and celebration. Before I get into this, uh, let me uh, oh, have a word of prayer here. Join with me. Father, I, I thank you for every person that's in this auditorium right now, God, and for everyone who's tuning in through podcast or some other way. Uh, God, and, and uh, I pray, Lord, that whatever else happens, you would use this message to drive home the importance to all of us uh, of, of coming together and worshiping you and celebrating you. And for those who can't be part of this body, I pray that they find some body, some, some corporate expression of the body of Christ to be involved in praise and celebration in. Lord, anoint this message. God, use it to uh, re- re- reignite our commitment to be a people who worship you in, 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 in spirit and in truth and with passion and vibrancy and exuberance. Spirit, descend upon us. Take control here. Be present and accomplish all that you will through this message. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. First of all, a couple of announcements. I mean, a couple of announcements, a couple terms, a couple terms. Uh, Worship. What is worship? Worship is at its core simply ascribing worth to another, specifically ascribing worth to God. You can get into the Greek and it has some other nuances. The word proscune, uh, which is translated worship, means to kind of get low, to prostrate yourself on the ground. But it says a way of ascribing worth to God. That's the core idea. Now, it says this in Romans 12. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Notice here that worship is not just about or even primarily about singing Paul says we're to offer up our bodies our whole embodied existence as a sacrifice of worship that means that everything we do is to be an act of worship ascribing worth to God we put on display what God is worth to us the value he has in his life by how we spend our money by how we spend our time we worship God uh, by 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 how we interact with our spouse and how we interact with our children, how we interact with our neighbors and our boss and our coworkers, everything we do is to be brought under the reign of God. Which means it's a way of worshiping God. Our life is to be a sacrament of worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's not just about singing. We so often compartmentalize worship as a separate thing from the rest of our life, but we need to really have a much more holistic, integrated mindset. We understand that washing dishes and mowing the lawn and saying hi to your neighbor and a million other things are also forms of worship. But within the general category of worship, there is a place for singing, worship as, a, uh, uh, as, as, as sung and as danced and as played on instruments. Uh, sometimes people get so into the everything's supposed to be worship that they actually minimize the importance of a separate time individually and collectively that we set aside to focus on the Lord and express our love for him and truth about him through song. But in fact, both are important. The Bible emphasizes the importance of integrating into our lives individually and corporately uh, a time to sing and to express God's worth to us. So there's worship as a general lifestyle. And within that general lifestyle, there's worship as singing, individually and collectively. Now within the category of worship as singing, which is what we're going to be talking about uh, uh, this morning. And by the way, we're going to uh, pick this up again next week as we're going to uh, emphasize celebration and we're going to throw a party. And we're going to remind ourselves of some principles of celebration. And, and, and so come prepared for that and bring your friends and, and let's get ready to party. But within that general category, there is worship as song. And within worship as song, you can break down that concept into two different uh, terms. First, there is praise. And these are, the Bible's kind of fluid on these terms. This is just how we talk about this. But praise is where we express truth to God. Uh, this tends to be the, the, where we have more mellow music, and we're just saying to the Lord in intimacy, uh, what he means to us, what his worth is to us. Uh, we sometimes call this romancing God. This is a time for intimacy, where we get quiet, where we get mellow. It says in Psalms 71, I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. Harp is a soft, mellow instrument. And there's a place then in our lives individually and when we come together to, in a very tender, mellow, quiet way. Envision the Lord and 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 just get close to Him and have Him draw us close to Him. And where we romance God. It's tenderness. It's kind of like the times when a, when a husband and wife might just have times together. They ought to have times together where they just say, I love you. And you just say what is true. That's praise. But there's also what we might call celebration. Celebrations where we proclaim truth about God. And this tends to be more the, 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 the kind of rowdy type of worship. We celebrate who God is. We say out loud who God is. What we just did in these first three songs in the service was more along the lines of celebration. And there's a place for this. This tends to be more rowdy. It tends to be more loud. It's very biblical. It says this in, in Psalms 98. Shout for joy. Everybody say shout. shout. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song. With music, with trumpets, and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy. Everybody say shout. Shout. Before the Lord, who is the King. Over and over again, dozens and dozens of passages tell us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. My favorite are those that say, make sure that you clash those cymbals when you praise the Lord. And because drums are God's favorite instrument, of course. (laughs) This is the time where we get a little bit rowdy. And see, here's the thing. I know that folks who come from more... Uh, traditional backgrounds, they 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 hear the rowdiness and and they think it's disrespectful. Uh, you know, you're just not honoring God with those cat calls. What's up with that? Or that looney tune pastor who can't make cat calls but he uses a whistle and pretends like he can make cat calls. What's with that? That's what I do because I can't. I don't know how to. Do I don't know how to do it. But see, here's the thing. That's a noise. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. In fact, over and over again, we find this emphasis on the importance sometimes. Yes, sometimes you get quiet and mellow and romance the Lord. And sometimes you just got to get a little bit rowdy. And it's okay to praise the Lord with a little bit of dancing and lifting your hands and clapping your hands and shouting to the Lord. And, and that, that is an appropriate, in fact, even necessary thing to do. There's nothing undignified about that at all, man. That is, that, that is absolutely essential stuff when we come together to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I I feel like we we need to get a little more freedom in that area. Uh, You know, people wonder or worry about what what someone else next to them is going to think. Well, you know what? Don't worry about what the person next to you thinks. Uh, If they're thinking something about you, that's their problem, not yours. You just sell out, focus on God, and and enter into it with all your, your mind, body, and soul and celebrate who He is. It's crazy. That you can go to the Vikings game this afternoon and God bless the Vikings, hallelujah, but people get crazy over there because we might score a touchdown or two and win the game, they get crazy there. Or if the stock market goes up, they get crazy there. Or if they win a stupid lottery, they get crazy there. But when they come to church, you can't get crazy. This is the place to get crazy, folks. I mean, when you think, like the song we just sang, when you remember what he did for you, when you remember where you were and where you are now, when you remember the heaven that awaits you, when you remember the goodness of God all around you, you gotta get excited. There ought to be a place to shout and rejoice. it's, It's not like there's any merit points for getting loud, but if it's on the inside, it should be expressed on the outside. So we worship God with all of our life, and that includes singing. And within singing, worship can be praise and worship can be celebration. Now, the reason why we worship God is because he is God. You don't need any other reason to worship God other than the fact that he is God. He is the source of all that is good, all that is lovely, all that is true, all that is beautiful. He deserves to be worshiped. And when we worship him through praise and celebration, we're simply saying to him and proclaiming about him the truth that he is all those things. God is not some kind of egotistical maniac who's up there in heaven saying, worship me or I will squash you, like he's getting some ego need met. It's not like that at all. No, he just is the source of all that is good and beautiful and true. And when we worship him, we're just saying that out loud. And as we do that, we're participating in the goodness and the beauty that he is. And, and, and so there's a time where we need to come together and just lift him up. We worship him because he is God, regardless of our circumstance. But when we do that, we find that there's a lot of things that happen to us and through us that otherwise couldn't happen. And I want to spend a moment talking about that. First, when we enter into praise and celebration, it brings us into God's presence. It says this in Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. There you go again. A couple dozen times. Noise. Joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before or come into his presence with singing. When we sing and celebrate who the Lord is, we come into his presence. God inhabits the praises of his people. It says this in Second Chronicles. Uh, this is when they were dedicating the temple. And it says, The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Then the temple, as they were giving praise and thanks, then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. With the priests, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When we are worshiping God, it's as though we are creating a vacuum that his presence needs to fill. And so his presence comes and inhabits the praises of his people. When we enter into a praise and celebration, there is a divine encounter that happens. Now maybe sometimes you feel that, sometimes you don't, because whether you feel something or not depends on a lot of variables. But his presence is here. What God desires is for there to be an encounter between him and his bride. And when we, with singular focus, enter into praise and celebration and put everything else in our, in our minds and hearts aside to ascribe worth to his name, the presence of God comes down and touches people and ministers to people. Sometimes you can sense an atmospheric change. Sometimes you can just sense the, the, the power and the love and the awesomeness of God in this place. And that, that just does something to us. When we come together on these weekends, what our goal should be is to have an encounter with God. that is is so tangible that even non-believers, if their heart is at all open to it, can sense that there's something going on here. We've had people come into this auditorium as non-believers and leave as believers, not because of anything that was said during the sermon, but because they sensed the reality of what we're talking about. So in some ways, this is a form of evangelism, and all of us who are real disciples need to carry the burden of this, that not just for our sake, but for others' sake, for non-believers' sake, we need to come and be singularly focused and committed to lifting God up and to ascribing worth to His name. God comes down, and sometimes it's tangible. I was in a service about a month ago, or six weeks ago, in London. I go there once in a while to minister to this. Uh, group of people, it's this fellowship called Ichthus. Just love them. And uh, these folks just know how to worship. They come together. These big meet, meeting once a year. And it's they're, they're just part of their culture. They've just been, from the first note, they're just sold out and surrendered and abandoned to the Lord. And the first night I was there, the power of God came down. It was like that cloud, I think, talked about in 2 Corinthians. I couldn't see the cloud, but I could feel the cloud. The Bible calls it the Shekinah glory. And the power of God came down and, and, and I could just sense the beauty and the majesty and the holiness of God in, in such a tangible way, like incense filling the room. I began to shake. Like, it was like electricity. It was like electricity going through me. But it wasn't like a negative kind of like I'm being electrocuted. It was a positive. I'm liking this electrocution. This a spirit electrocution. My jaw was cribbing. I was like... It was, I was like this, like, like I'd have... 100 cups of coffee or something, but it was a good kind of thing. It was a Holy Ghost buzz. <laughs> and, I, and then I had to get up to, to talk. And, and I, I, I was still kind of jittery like this, but I was really liking it. And I said to the folks, I said, I, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm feeling a little disoriented right now. I'm, I'm kind of out of sorts. I, I feel like I'm a little bit drunk or something. I, I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm not at all worried about it because when, when the Spirit of God is this present, it's pretty hard to screw anything up. <laughs> and even if you do, God will find a way to use it. I, I, there, there can be an, a level of anointing where I, 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 it feels to me like you could burp and, and God would use it to just you know, <laughs> slay people in the Spirit or do something, I don't know, but it's like it's all going to be okay. That's why the, the priest could not minister. It was like, oh, we, we can't do anything here. I, man, I, I want that to happen where it's like the power of God is so thick here, we, we can't move. We're inoperable. This is day of Pentecost, rushing mighty wind kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Amen? The presence of God comes down, and, uh, and, and God just works among his people. So we're, we're entering into his presence. We worship God because he's God, but when we do that, his presence fills this place. Secondly, when his presence fills this place and is among his people, our hearts get encouraged. It says this in Psalms 27. One thing, David says, I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, that's praise, romancing God, and to seek him in his temple. Then my heart will be lifted up above the enemies who surround me, at his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. That's celebration. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Here's David. He's the king. He's got a lot of responsibilities, a lot of care. He's got a lot of privilege, a lot of good things going on, but he also has to fight these wars and run the kingdom. A lot of enemies around, and at some point he writes this psalm, and he says, you know, there's really only one thing I want. I wish I could go to church forever. <laughs> I wish I could just go in the temple. Now, in in the Old Testament, God really just used the temple as the kind of the main meeting ground between God and his people. Now, we are the temple. But David is saying, I just want to be in the presence of God forever. I want to gaze on his beauty forever. Because one of the things that happens when I seek the Lord is my head gets lifted up. Now, that phrase, lift up your head, is a a Semitic or Jewish uh, idiom that really just means being encouraged. Uh, the psalm says he's the glory and lifter of my head. Now, what that means is like when you're when you're discouraged, your head tends to be down. But then when you're in the presence of God, your head starts to get lifted up. And you're encouraged. And David is saying, I can despite all the enemies, despite all the troubles, despite all the warfare, my heart is encouraged, my head is lifted up above my problems, above my enemies, when I gaze upon his beauty, when I praise the Lord. When we worship God in spirit and truth and when our mind is singularly focused and we come together, there is an encouragement that takes place that you can't explain. There's something that just makes you, uh, in the presence of God, optimistic. Uh, It it gives you a peace that passes all understanding. It gives you a joy that's uh, unspeakable. Your circumstances are just as bad as they were before, but somehow they don't define you any longer. They're not as big as they used to seem. When we come into the presence of God, there's a sense of how big he is, and the bigger God is, the smaller the problems are. One of the sad things about a lot of American theology is we have a sense of entitlement and a sense of rights, and we take that into church, and we think to ourselves, well, look I'm not in the mood, so I get to choose whether I worship God or not. I don't feel like worshiping God. I don't feel like celebrating. I don't feel like lifting up God's name. I don't feel like I like this music. It's about us. We get to choose. We're the consumers, right? And what's really sad about that is two things. Number one, God is still God regardless of whether you feel like it or not, and he deserves your worship. Amen? It's not about you. It's not about me. We got we to gotta, we gotta turn that entitlement consumer I got rights button off when we come before God. Uh, because before God, we don't. God is still God. But secondly, you worship God because he's God, but you'll find out that that is the very best thing you, you, you could do when you don't feel like it, when you're not in the mood when you just found out from the doctor that you got the cancer, when your marriage is completely sucking to high heaven, when your kids are, are rebelling, when you just lost the job, when things are just crumbling all around you, you're not in the mood to celebrate. You're not in the mood to praise God. But if you will do that because God is God, you'll find that you, you, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. You've got a power to deal with the issues that you didn't have before. There's an encouragement. Your head gets lifted up. Right when you feel like it the least, Oh, that, that's when you need to do it the most. In the middle of the struggles, here's one that we, we get clogged up on a lot. In the midst of the struggles, you got sin struggles in your life. You need, to, you need to make time where you just worship God because he's God. There's this lie from the pit of hell that's kind of out there that, that people think, well, if you're in the midst of the struggle, the sin in your life, you haven't quite got there yet. You're not, you're not out of it yet. That it's hypocritical for you to raise your hands or get exuberant in praise and worship as though raising your hands or getting exuberant in praise and celebration with some kind of righteousness badge. I've arrived and I'm holy. It's not about that at all. There is no arrival point. We're all in process. And what will move us along in that process is if in the midst of the struggles, you say God is bigger than the struggles, and you lift him up and praise his name. Don't wait till you've arrived before you start Uh, entering into full passionate worship because you ain't going to arrive anytime soon, so you might as well start praising God in the midst of the struggle now, and that will actually help you arrive. Number three, which relates to this last point. When we enter into the presence of God through praise and celebration, transformation takes place. One of the main ways we're transformed is when we encounter God through mellow romantic praise and through exuberant celebration. It says this in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, one of my favorite verses. He says, uh, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and we've talked about this in that whole animate series that we went through. He's talking about our minds have been freed by the Spirit. And we can now behold the Lord's glory in our sanctified imagination. And as we do that, we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What you behold in your mind determines what you become. The more vivid it is, the more it pulls you in that direction. It's a biblical principle. We've talked about it before. And and in all areas of our our, our, spiritual disciplines, we need to be offering up our imagination to the Holy Spirit who has set us free to behold the glory of God and the inner sanctum. And as we behold the glory of God, we take on that glory. One of the main places we can do that is in praise. I encourage us when we enter, especially into praise, it works with, with celebration as well, Bible reading and everything. But when there's times where we just romance the Lord to set aside everything else in our minds and hearts and to envision the one we're worshiping and to envision and hear and sense in every way the Holy Spirit will set you free to experience all that you're singing about. As we're praising God's love for being like a hurricane and we are the tree and we bend beneath the wind, envision that, run a video of that and watch how it begins to impact you. So often we don't feel the impact of things because our imagination isn't surrendered to the Lord in the process of that. And see, when we enter into praise and celebration as a people, here's where the things that are in our head can become experienced realities in our heart and therefore transforming in our life. One of the main problems I think we have, we Western Christians tend to have, is what I might call intellectual constipation. Where we have, we, we keep feeding ourselves ideas and thoughts and information, but it doesn't go anywhere. And you might know that that's not a pleasant experience. Uh, it, it, you need to see, we, we, come, we hear sermons, we get Bible studies and all this information, but our lives are, remain unchanged. Because the truth of the matter is that information never, in and of itself, results in transformation, something else needs to happen. You can know all the facts about God's love, but it doesn't mean you know God's love because you only know God's love when you begin to experience God's love and are transformed by God's love. And so with his holiness and so with his goodness. And so when we enter into praise and celebration, it's an opportunity for God to come down and here sometimes you will now begin to get the experience that enfleshes what you know in your head. We're in the encounter with God. Now it's happened where people, the coin drops in the slot as they're in the presence of God and you sense God loving you. Now you get it. You sense the holiness and the goodness of God. Now you begin to get it. It's such a crucial thing that we have a context where we could come together individually uh, in our small groups and even on the weekend events where the Spirit of God comes down, and now the things that we know in our head become experienced realities in our heart. It's got to happen. And here also we need to carry the burden for one another because it's not just about you. Uh, We all play a role in the extent to which the undiluted power of God comes down. So for your neighbor's sake, we need to be committed and worshiping him. And the fourth thing that happens, very important, is spiritual warfare. When we enter into praise and celebration, it's a form of spiritual warfare. It says this in Psalms 8. Literally, this. I love this passage. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Through the praise of children and infants. Get a picture of this. And I put it on a physical level. Suppose we were surrounded by a bunch of real hostile enemies who wanted to come in and kill us. You know, and they got guns and Uzis and tanks and whatever. And so the Lord tells us, instead of trying to fight them physically, uh, we, we say, let, let, let's get the children's church up here on the, alt- uh, on the stage. And, and the littlest one, the youngest ones, and even the infants. And so here the infants are, and the children are up here praising God. And you know how they are in Easter and Christmas when they're up here, and they're kind of like, you know. <laughs> but, then, but then they start singing, Jesus loves me, and we all melt. You know, Jesus loves me, or whatever they sing. Imagine that happening. And the little infants, I don't know how they would praise God. They're like, just smiling, I guess. But see, through the praise, something as weak and vulnerable as this. It's just like God to use that to send the demonic forces fleeing. And so as these kids start to praise God and they're just being cute, all of a sudden all the enemy starts running away. Run away! The kids are praising God. I can't take it. It's like turning on the light and the darkness has got to flee. Amen? Amen. It doesn't look you would not make the natural connection between that and the enemy fleeing. You just, how does that work? But see, that's what the kind of thing God always does. He uses the crucified Son of God, who looks nothing can look weaker, to defeat the powers of darkness. So also. We, all week long, struggle against principalities and powers. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers and rulers and authorities in the dark places. Ooh, those big bad powers. And we're caught up in that, and there's spiritual warfare going on all around us all the time, though most people don't really realize it. But when we come here, we take in that pollution, as it were, uh, that we've gotten throughout the week in the warfare, and you can feel discouraged and beat up and all sorts of stuff. But the way to send the forces fleeing is to start praising God. The way to send the powers uh, running is to begin to celebrate who God is. Truth dispels uh, the darkness like light in the room. This, again, is why it's so important, especially when you're feeling beat up, especially when you feel like the devil's got your number and when you're just being oppressed. Don't let your mood determine whether or not you enter into praise and celebration. Rather, precisely when you feel you're most being attacked, The way to send the powers fleeing is through praise and celebration. And here again, even if you're just walking in nice little wonderful la-la land, no problems in the world, you owe it to your brother and sister to enter into praise and worship and celebration because they might be going through a struggle. I guarantee you, every weekend, somebody is going to be oppressed here. So for their sake, see, this is we fight for one another here, folks. Uh, Our choice to be sold out and surrendered and focused and Praise and, and, and celebration, we are either blocking the flow or we're helping the flow. For our neighbor's sake, if not for our own sake, and always for God's sake, we need to be helping the flow. Now, two things are involved very quickly in, as we, we enter into uh, praise and celebration, which we're going to do here in a moment. One is, by definition, it's passionate. That doesn't mean it's always exuberant, doesn't mean it's always got to be extroverted or emotional or anything like that. It just means it always involves all of us. It always involves all of us. Here's what the psalmist says. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. He's telling his soul what to do. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. It involves all that we are, my innermost being, all of our mind, all of our heart, and even all of our body is to be surrendered in worship. By definition, because it's about ascribing worth to God and the extent to which we're invested in the moment Communicates what he's worth to us. Is he worth all of us or not? Here's where we decide that. Our whole innermost being is involved in this. By contrast, look at what Isaiah says The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Why do we worship the Lord? Well, because this is what we do. There's a rule out there that says you're supposed to sing. So, okay, I'll sing when I go to church. It's not what God's interested in. You know how it is. We all know how it is sometimes where we have been through a song service, worship service, and at the end of it you realize perhaps that you didn't really pay attention to anything you were singing about and the one that you were singing to. You're just going through the motions. That's what he's talking about, lip service. Praise is praise. Celebration is celebration. It is worship. Singing is worship to the extent and only to the extent that we are in that moment singularly focused on Him. That's the difference between a sing-along and praise and celebration, between a little song service and worship. And we owe it to God for sure and to one another, to when we come to make the commitment to be singularly focused on Him so the Spirit of God can come down and flow in us and flow through us second thing is that sometimes praise and celebration involves sacrifice. It says this in Hebrews 13, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. It sometimes is a sacrifice because you don't feel like doing it. You're tired, you're discouraged, you got the bad news or whatever. And again, it's part of our fallen nature is that we would allow circumstances to decide whether or not we're going to give God the glory that is due His name. We're called to make a sacrifice of praise, to push through, and that turns out to be, as I said, the best thing you can do in circumstances that would lead you to feel least like worshiping God. Listen to what David says. I love this. They spread a net for my feet. He's talking about his enemies trying to do him in. I was bowed down in distress. My heart, O oh God... Despite all this, my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast, he says again. I will, I will sing. I will make music. Awake, my soul. Don't you go to sleep on me. Awake, harp and uh, lyre. Don't you go to sleep on me. I will awaken the dawn. I will, praise you, Lord, among the nations. Here he is surrounded by enemies. There's traps all around him. He doesn't feel like worshiping God He's he's, he's in distress. He's discouraged. He doesn't know what the future holds. But he says, you know what? I am steadfast. I am steadfast. I will worship God. I will praise His name. I will celebrate. I will not let these circumstances stand in the way. I will make the sacrifice of praise. That's the kind of resolution we need. God is still God. Whether I'm getting healthier or whether I'm getting sicker, whether I'm getting richer, whether I'm getting poor, poor, God is still God. I got a lot of friends, he's God. If I don't have a lot of friends, he's still God. And so we need to make that commitment. It's about having a singular focus with our mind. It's a choice. Will we choose to put everything else out of our mind and envision him, the one we're singing to and what we're singing about? Will we choose to involve all of our heart? Will we choose to involve all of our body? Over and over again, we hear the Lord telling us what we should do with our bodies, lifting up holy hands to the Lord, uh, dancing, worshiping God with our feet, however however it goes. It's a choice when we're either blocking the flow of the Spirit with our choice or we're being yielded, and the Lord can flow through us with that choice. For God's sake, for our sake, for our neighbor's sake, let's choose to focus exclusively on him. We'll start now by taking up an offering that also is an act of praise and worship we ascribe worth to God by how we spend his money. So follow God's leading on that. And please stay seated during that time, and then Norm will have us rise, and we'll finish the service by entering into this other time of praise. Holy Spirit, come fill this place, flood this place, encounter us, let the Shekinah glory fall, here and now, because you are God. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: As morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire songs of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name, your name is a strong and mighty town your name is a shelter like no other your name let the nation sing it louder cause nothing has the power to save but your name
0: Up. Hallelujah! You are glorious, Lord glory of glory, King of kings, Master Savior. How great is our God? He's the source of all that's good, the source of all that's beautiful, the source of all that's life, the source of all love. He's the source of it all. He's great, and He encounters His people. Anyone here feel a little bit more encouraged? I'm just wondering. Anybody feel a little more encouraged? A little more transformed? A little more of the demonic realm off your back. How vital it is when we come together. That, that's what I'm talking about, that intensity. To come and it's about our focus and about our commitment to give our all. And it's so beautiful when it happens. Next week, we'll do the same thing with celebration. Come prepared to party. And uh, yes, we're going to just proclaim truths about God. Praise God. I'd like to ask the prayer teams to come forward. And if you're here this morning and have any need whatsoever that you'd like to have prayed for, come forward and and, uh, pray with these folks. Or if you just want to kneel at the altar, uh, that's fine as as well. I'm going to remind you uh, about the sign-up for the Compassion by Command series that's out there. As we leave this place, I am just going to pray that we do it carrying the sweet aroma of the spirit that is in this place. And that we become people whose lives worship Him. So Lord, as we leave this place, let the aroma of your Holy Spirit be on us and flowing through us. And God, help us to make everything we do an act of worship to you. Because how great you are, our God. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go out and spread the gospel.
1: Thanks for tuning into this message from Woodland Hills. We hope you enjoyed it. You can download more sermon resources, including study guides and our entire sermon archive on our website at whchurch.org. You can also discuss the sermons and connect with other members of the Woodland Hills body on the bridge at bridge.whchurch.org.